You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Monica Kumar on how you can be more strategic to your organization. As a senior vice president of product and solutions marketing, Monica drives the global go-to-market engine for Nutanix, including strategy, messaging, thought leadership, category creation, marketing campaigns, sales enablement, and programs. Yeah, that's right. She plays a critical role in driving the marketing growth and direction of the company, as well as continuing to generate brand awareness and evolving the positioning across Nutanix's suite of products. Monica often represents her company to C-level and executive audiences across customers and strategic partners. Monica, we've talked before, but I, you know I'm excited to talk, but I want to say it for the show. Incredibly excited to have you on. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm equally excited, if not more, to be here and looking forward to our conversation. I love, I love reading those kinds of bios. And it's like, there's nothing you don't cover over there. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Strategy, messaging, thought leadership, category creation. It goes on and on. This is going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. And, and by the way, there's a lot that I don't cover. And there's a lot that we need to do, you know, as a go-to-market organization. And I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that. Excellent. And the topic, obviously, today is how you can be more strategic to your organization. Before we even go into that, I, I want to, I guess, ask you to explain to the audience your motto. So if anyone uh, listening goes to, to Monica's LinkedIn, you're going to see a motto there. And well, explain, I'll, I'll let you talk about it, Monica. Explain it to us because I love <laughs> it. I absolutely love it. Oh my gosh. My kids tell me this often that I'm a sucker for mottos and sayings and it, that's <laughs> true. So my latest one that I adopted a couple of years ago is uh, less perfection more authenticity. And really, truly, it speaks very well to me because um, if I look at my childhood and as I was growing up, I was always a perfectionist. Everything needed to be clean and tidy in place. And and I realized I was like killing myself, overworking, you know, to get there. And I'm th- I was thinking at the end of it, what was the result? Yeah, it made me happy to see a clean room. But what else could I have done with that time as opposed to spending hours cleaning up? So over the years, I guess I've become wiser in terms of how I spend my time. I can spend my time making one thing super perfect, or I can spend my time being more authentic and actually taking care of a lot more things and a lot more relationships in my life, both at work and my personal life, and and do do things that make me happy. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's great, because I think it's going to even play in, I'm sure, somewhat to what we're talking about today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so talk to us, I guess, like every time we, we, you know, review the title, we always ask the speaker, why? Like, why are we even talking about it? Why would someone even want to be more strategic within their organization? 
Right. Talking about mottos, you know, here's another saying that I love, and I've really adopted this in my professional life and to some extent personal life as well. There's a saying which goes, vision without action is a daydream and action without vision is a nightmare. Now pick which category you are in. I'm sure every one of us is in one category or the other. For those who actually have a vision before they act on something, bravo and kudos to you. But I know that we all move so fast. Sometimes we just do things. We do things without even thinking about why are we doing them? Who's benefiting from this? And what's the end result we're going to be driving with it? And other times we sit in meetings after meetings after meetings and we pontificate and we build these beautiful plans and they never see the the light of the day. So there is something in the middle that I believe we as organizations, you know, whether you're in tech or any organization, if you think about it, there needs to be some planning in place before you execute or else there's a few things that will happen. You will execute in silos, which will mean it'll be inefficient for the organization. You may be even executing on the wrong things. Maybe you think that's fantastic. Your actions are fantastic and and you're working on stuff, but maybe nobody actually needs it. You know, it it doesn't align with the company's mission. So the the point that I want to make is that it's extremely important that before you start acting on things and doing things, it's important to know why you're doing them and what outcomes you'll drive as a result. So true. I, I love that saying, vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. Is that right? Yep. I didn't switch. Okay. I just making sure. I, I love it. That's huge, right? So often you hear about uh, folks, especially in the startup world and, and things of that, right? They're just saying, take the first step, you know, go zero to one, yeah. right? And then you, you worry about the perfection afterward. Uh, but imagine, you know, taking that, that first step without, and on the flip side of the coin, right? You hear, well, it's all about, it's all about the idea, right? It was the concept that really did it. It was the, the brilliant idea that made it happen. And to your point, it's often a combo of the two. It's yeah. not not just the action that got him there, and it's not just the golden idea or the vision that got him there. It's it's the combo. Yeah, um, love it. So, why why are people now? I guess are well. Let me ask you this: Are people more focused on becoming strategic to the organization today, or were they more in the past? Is there any trend that you're you're seeing or? Uh, as it relates to folks adopting or trying to become more strategic to their companies? You know, the way I think about this and what I've noticed is that people think that strategy is for the executive team. And I'm not saying it's not. I think it's very critical in any organization that the executive team lay out the strategy and vision for the for the company and the expectations, let's say, for the next fiscal year, for example, or the next five years. But that said, every team and specifically marketing team needs to make sure that they have a way to execute on that overall strategy. And there needs to be a strategy on execution as well. So let me give you some examples. Um, let's say you're in um, product marketing, which you know I've, I've spent about a 27 plus year career in product marketing, in leading you know, marketing organizations to drive you know, not just brand, but also demand and adoption. If you are simply just writing white papers and creating presentations and you know updating web page copy and content, speaking at events, you do that all year long. When you step back a year later and say, okay, what did I accomplish this year? What is it going to be? Is it going to be a bunch of things you wrote and a bunch of events you supported? Maybe you did a launch. Fantastic. But so what? So what? 
did how did that drive the strategy of the company forward did you actually end up achieving a percentage more you know revenue for the company did you end up delighting the customers more did you end up you know making the organization more streamlined and efficient because i'm assuming when the executives put out the goals those were parts of it so my point is that we should not leave strategy just at the executive level in order to bring that to life the strategy needs to take you know sort of unfold in each functional organization below the c level execs as well so it's ownership or it's uh, alignment from the people actually executing it to the strategic vision that the executives have have put forth right so then we can feel good about like hey you know what i and my team ended up contributing to the revenues of the company or you know when we launch new products how did that impact getting more business for the organization let's not just stop at launching a product and great we got press and that's very exciting well, what happened to did we actually generate more interest in the product throughout the year did we generate more opportunities for the product did we actually end up generating more bookings for that product throughout the year you know why should we not also focus on that and what are the things we could be doing to generate then more revenues for the product since we launched it absolutely so obviously the the buck stops with the vp but uh when, when well, I use your example right when we've got this uh, executive that has a strategy to do do whatever it happens to be and the executor on the team or the person actually doing those white papers to your point uh, is following through on that on their goals and on uh, what's set forth is should the onus be on the doer or the I picture it as the manager director or whoever it happens to be actually putting out that work should mm-hmm. they be looking to align their KPIs to the strategic goal or should it really be like a top-down directive where it's, hey, this is our strategic vision, this is, and these are the KPIs that are supporting it, and therefore, this is how the white papers plays into achieving those KPIs. Yeah, I think this is a great question. And look, this is this is obviously a big discussion area. So many companies have adopted this whole notion of OKRs, objectives and key results. And in many organizations, it starts at the top. You get the OKRs from the CEO, then it goes down to each functional unit, and then each you know manager in the team further uh, you know supports those OKRs and then of course it goes down to the individual contributor level for example google actually has been a very big proponent and adopter of the OKR methodology for many many years and, and you know they're very well known for that i am not saying that there needs to be a heavy handed you know um a practice here what i'm saying though is that it's each and everybody's responsibility to ask the right questions and not just focus on creating outputs which outputs are important of course but don't create outputs without knowing what outcomes you're driving because if you're doing that it's inefficient and maybe you are being ineffective and maybe you are wasting your time doing stuff that's not going to make you more visible in the organization and that's you know pigeonholing you into kind of a niche so so i guess and what i'm saying is absolutely individual contributors need to make sure they are also focusing on driving outcomes not just creating outputs for the sake of it but each company has their own process and you know for example our my company nutanix we have adopted the okr philosophy now for the last many quarters and it's it's really amazing i'm seeing a, it's a cultural change this does this can't doesn't happen overnight by the way you're going to hear a lot of pushbacks from 
you know, people saying, what, what do you mean, uh, give me key results that are not just saying I wrote a white paper? That's a key result, isn't it? Yeah. And we're like, well, yes, in, in, in the stages of driving, you know, outcomes, it might be one milestone, but that's not the end result we're going for. The end result is how many people are reading the white paper? Maybe is our share of voice, you know, improving because of that as an example? Is it being amplified through, you know, 10 different channels, social media, through email, through, you know, other places, through the reps, through digital methods? And if so, and how many eyeballs are we then getting? And then from that white paper, did we actually end up driving that prospect to another part of the journey so that we can create a multi-touch, you know, breadcrumb, right, with that prospect who read the white paper that they did something else? So, hey, I see, or hey, manager, don't just stop at creating five white papers, create the entire journey. Tell us what, how you're going to drive a prospect from this interest to conversion through the, the assets you're creating. So you see the difference there? Absolutely. It's, it's very slight, but it matters big time, right? I, I think in the, one of the key points that you made there too, Monica, was uh, th- this is, and I think it's interesting that we need to keep, you know, keep pulling it back. It's, the title is how, how can you be more strategic to your organization? This is not to say that, that all you know, folks generating the white papers are going to do this, but there's a couple folks within the organization or a few that maybe are, are thinking about really benefiting the company or looking to become more strategic and looking to, to make moves that are certainly like this is the way to do it, right? Is don't keep, you know, don't keep the, the blinders on looking only at your output. And saying, okay, they're they're going to care about my stack of white papers at the end of the day, but really help them understand the value of those white papers by aligning those to the key outcomes that those executives were really looking to achieve. Right. And I don't want to pick on white papers. Look, I love I love to write as well. I mean, you know, I've been in, in tech marketing for 27 plus years. And if you can't tell a story in written form or communicate verbally well your story, like you, you really should not be in, in marketing in, in any sense, right? So white papers are really amazing ways to kind of scale your message and put them down so down on in writing. I, I love that medium. So I'm not just picking on it. I'm just using that as an example. I, I mean, imagine if you thought through what outcomes you're planning to drive and then you write your papers. Would the message in the papers be different? Would you be creating a series maybe of three papers that are bite sized as opposed to one big paper? I don't know. But I'm assuming if you think about the three to six month framework and become more strategic about what content you're creating, probably your content itself is going to change somewhat. The way you deliver is going to change. The way you measure it will change. The way you are amplifying it will change. That's what I'm talking about. I love the series, you know, when you're saying it might be a, a few pieces or a, a more, str- you know, that that's just more planned out, right? It's more strategic thought process than uh, being, a, you know, lack of a better term, but being a content factory, right? Just pumping out stuff just to have it out there. Exactly. Interesting. So we've talked a lot about <clears throat> outputs and I think everyone's got the, <laughs> you know, the white paper scenario. We'll, we'll, we'll have to get a different example. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, Obviously, there's you know there's the um, the the everyone's got roles and pieces of their job that have to do with that kind of uh, work, right? Where we're we're putting out lots of work. Um, on the flip side of it, talk to talk to me a little bit more about the outcomes. Like, what what kind of outcomes are you seeing organizations take that are strategic in nature 
And and have you seen any of these examples afterward where you have seen folks align their outputs to those outcomes to appear more strategic or to be more strategic? Sure. I mean, at the highest level, if you think of outcomes at the business level, right? I mean, there's three or four main outcomes that every business in some form or shape is looking to drive. One is obviously increased revenues or improve adoption, actually increased revenues, let's say that, whether it's through launching new products and services, whether it's through driving you know, more adoption of the existing services, upselling, cross-selling. So that's certainly one bucket. And we, I'm going to give you some examples of specific metrics there that you know, one could look at. The second piece is customer delight you know, or, or what we call customer experience. You know, how is, is the organization driving better customer experience? And you can see employee experience is part of that. And then the third thing is obviously we live in this world where cost is constantly an, an issue and every organization is trying to streamline inefficient you know, processes, uh, things that are happening in the organization so they can then drive some of the, the savings to innovation. So let's look at some examples in each of these, right? So when it comes to um, increasing revenues for the company or improving business results, this you know, focusing on driving an install base um, focus where you can get your install base to adopt more of your product and cross-sell other products is very important. So as a marketeer, for example, we need to look at how are we going to drive, you know, uh, our install base to adopt more. And at the same time, how do we bring in net new logos for the business? So what can marketing do to do that? So if we start with that level of thinking, is how is marketing going to help support you know, driving more upsell, cross-sell in the install base and bringing net new logos to the business. And of course, I'm assuming each business gets a percentage of how much you're trying to drive net new versus install base. So when you start working from that point on, then you start looking at what is my content strategy to do that? Is my content only going to speak to net new or install base? How is that going to be different content if I'm trying to drive, you know, net new people to my company and products who've never even heard of us before versus people who are already customers. There's a different tone you'll take, there's different content you'll write, right? So that's one example. Second would be, you know, how much capital do I we allocate in marketing to driving DG, to driving awareness for products that are we selling to install base versus to net new? Third could be, should we be more solution-centric in our approach and content creation and, and campaigns? as opposed to product-centric. You know, who are the persona we are talking to? Uh, how, do, how does that persona receive the content? What resonates with them? What challenges do they have? So to me, I think if the outcome that we're trying to drive is, you know, a net new increase in uh, install-based adoption by a certain percentage and percentage of net new business, that's the outcome we're trying to drive with the marketing efforts. So all the activities we do, all the outputs that we put together for that quarter, should end up resulting in us showing, hey, we moved the needle by, you know, X percent in install base adoption, or we moved the, we brought in, you know, five percent net new logos to the company through marketing. So that's an example of outcomes. You know, I can go on. I have so many more examples here. <laughs> I'm sure I love it. It's it's interesting. So my head instantly went to one, I'm sure, tricky question here, which. You know, this this makes sense. No question. We're looking to increase revenue. We're looking to provide an exceptional customer experience. And certainly the organization is looking to cut costs where they can. Yeah. So 
organization, like the CEO at, at uh, any organization is absolutely aligned to, to those. I'm thinking about those, you know, let's call them three pillars or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Um, what happens, and, and certainly not an issue, again, I, I can see your point a thousand percent when uh, I go back to the white paper example, sorry, content writers, <laughs> the white paper guy, right, where the white paper uh, individual is pushing out white papers because the CMO at some level has assigned a specific uh, quota of white papers or content like that to be created because they have their own KPIs, right? Whatever those are. What happens when the KPIs of, the, like, let's say even the CMO and the chief sales officer, mm-hmm. when they're not actually aligned, right? When when the content writers got a quote on their head to pump out X number of, you know, white papers, but this chief sales officer is looking at driving net new logos and and increasing retention. Like it, it might not be aligned, right? Uh, They might, you know, the the sales side of the fence might not necessarily care uh, if the marketing side, because those KPIs at, at the strategic level maybe aren't aligned or they're not, uh, does that make sense? I'm doing a poor Yeah, job. well, I'm going to say therein lies the problem. So yeah. the alignment is absolutely crucial. So first of all, the CMO and the CSO or CRO, in this case, absolutely need to have joined to the HIP KPIs, in my opinion. Joined at the HIP KPIs. If they don't, I think that's where the problem begins. And I've seen that in most organizations. And I have to say, again, I'm going to bring back my company, we work very diligently to align our KPIs with sales. Our, you know, EVP of sales and us, we've actually done joint planning so that everything we do in marketing is really very well integrated with the sales, uh, you know, programs. What, what we do in terms of execution and the sausage making and how we deliver and help sales with getting to what we all agreed to that they don't, don't need to worry about. If white papers are a way for us to, you know, deliver some of that thought leadership, some of the DG, you know, top of the funnel content, so be it. But the important piece is that at the end of the day, our sales leader and our marketing, you know, marketing team, like, you know, I've, I've done that, that connection point now with our sales leader to make sure we have the same KPIs that we are driving towards. Do you see what I'm saying? Because he doesn't care how we get to that, right? That's that's on us. But now it's on me to make sure my team understands that these are the three things we're driving towards. Within that, there'll be multiple activities. There'll be launches. There'll be content. There'll be PR, AR components. There'll be events. There'll be webinars. You know, those are all the tactics of how we'll get there. Absolutely. Is this is, I mean, this is, uh, again, I, I feel like I'm only throwing out worst case scenarios here. But, uh, <laughs> you're, you're answering them all perfectly, Monica, so I, I keep going. So <laughs> in, in terms of, uh, in terms of a, like trying to be more strategic, and I'm just thinking again about the, the individual who's trying to do that at an organization. Yeah. Let's say that the organization doesn't have really firmed up objectives, or I guess we, we're calling them outcomes, right? Uh, they have their outcomes. Everyone knows that sales is trying to increase revenue. The organization is trying to increase revenue, but maybe there is some misalignment, maybe something like that. Does the individual go out on a limb and present to the executives, hey, these are the outcomes that I feel the organization is looking to achieve? 
these, this is the way that I feel that we can support it. Here's how I'm going to do that. Is like, is that out of, out of, well, uh, so let me step back a bit. So first of all, you know, I mean, this is all about like making connections as human beings. If you think about even at work, right. So I would, my first and foremost advice to all my marketing colleagues and marketing execs is like, hey, build a relationship with your sales executives and the sales team. It is crucial for marketing to be successful. It is crucial that we view sales as a number one customer. I think the moment we get that in our head and the moment we kind of let go of marketing versus sales, I think we're going to find ourselves in a really great position to have that strategic conversation with sales. Because just like you said, we don't ever want to be in, situ- in a situation where sales has certain goals and marketing is going off and doing things on the side and not getting credit for any of the work we're doing. I mean, to me, that's like a nightmare scenario. And it happens so often where marketing does their own thing and sales is doing their own thing. I mean, that's bad for business. We have to be 100% aligned. The whole role of marketing is to actually help sales is to help the company build a brand in order to get more sales, right? To bring more revenue. And for sales, it's crucial that they partner with marketing because they need to learn the art of storytelling. They they can't scale, right? If you think of direct sales force, there's a certain finite set of people. What marketing does is brings in digital automation so we can amplify our outreach to like 10x, 20x, 40x more number of prospects than sales could ever reach on their own. So I think this is a great benefits for both teams to work together. So what I'm saying is, if you're an individual in a marketing organization, it's really important that you have those conversations with your sales counterparts and make sure you're speaking the language. Ultimately, if they know that you're working on on what they care about, they'll be a much more collaborative partner. I mean, think about this in your personal life, right? When you meet people, you really get along with people who kind of get what you're going through and what your challenges are and who can speak to you. Same thing happens at work. If you go to a sales meeting and you're presenting something that they completely don't care about, even though you've spent your entire quarter doing it, it doesn't matter. You're not strategic at that point. You've become a tactical part of the organization. You know, so to me, I mean, I can't stress it more importantly, how important it is to build that relationship up front be on the same page. Yeah, I'm not saying it's always like, you know, a lovely relationship. Sure, there'll be disagreements. I'm sure there'll be um, different viewpoints, but that's okay. I think that's the world we live in. As long as there's a dialogue up front and as long as marketing is aligning to sales, you know, objectives, I think we will be in a good place. Absolutely. And be more strategic. We'll be, be, we'll be more strategic just by that. Even just opening the door and, and having that conversation. Seeing... I like you speaking the same language, right? It goes further than just, you know, understanding what it's really, it's understanding what's driving them, right? What what are their, what are their goals, right? How how can we help them? And obviously it's going to be reciprocated, right? Exactly. We're all all striving for the same stuff. So couldn't agree more. Is there, is there any piece that we, we haven't hit on that we should hit on with respect to, you know, being more strategic, how an individual can be more strategic to their company? Yeah, the one, you know, I I actually have this methodology that I've been using for many years in my past life. You know, I was at at Oracle for 22 years. I ran the the go-to-market for the Oracle database portfolio. We launched Autonomous Database, you know, before I moved over to Nutanix less than a couple of years ago. And the methodology is as follows. And I think this is sort of my framework, and I'm sure others have their own. 
is before you embark into sort of any big, you know, campaign, I think there's a few pieces that need to be put in place before. So the first thing I would ask is, what is the objective for the company in that particular area? What's the opportunity? And let's say an example would be, you know, Nutanix is a, is a big um, player in the end user computing space, right? This is desktop as a service. This is virtual desktop infrastructure. So the way we approach this is, let's assess the market landscape. What's your total addressable market? What's the SAM, the serviceable market? And what might be the immediate opportunity for you to actually address? Then we look at what are the industries, the different geos, regions, whatnot, right? Now, based on that modeling, you come up with what's your segmentation and targeting list? Who are the personas you're going to be targeting for your solution in the end user computing space, for example? What are your pipeline bookings targets working with sales and channels, right? If you have indirect sales teams, if you have e-commerce engine, how much of the objective do you expect to fulfill from each of the channels? And then you, of course, you build out your use cases and sales plays based on that, you know, the details of your differentiation, big fat claims, as I like to call it. Why would anybody care, you know, about your technology in end user computing versus somebody else's? You build out the messaging platform and the content. Very important. That's where your white papers come in. <laughs> you want to build the white paper, right? Now that you know who you're targeting, which verticals, your use cases, now your content's going to be based on that. And you build out all your offers, you know, whether they are offers like a free trial, your test drives, whether they are, you know, uh, content-oriented offers or boot camps, demos, everything. Then it's really important that you work on sales enablement. At the same time, you start your thought leadership and awareness campaigns. And, you know, it's, it's extremely important before you launch a campaign, sales knows it's coming and they know the message. They know how to go position it to their prospects and customers. It's super, super important. And what I call market enablement should happen at the same time, which is talking to analysts, influencers, bloggers, you know, starting to put thought leadership messages out there. And then you need to roll out your demand gen campaign, right? So after you've done all this work, then you start rolling out your programs, your events, your webinars, your DG, your ads, you know, whatever else, your nurtures. And then the last step is really measuring the efficacy of all this. Like after all this happened, what's happening with DG programs? What's happening with thought leadership, you know, share of voice type stuff? What's happening with your PR? And maybe there's a launch included somewhere here. So that, to me, that's, this is like one framework where you can be really strategic as opposed to just starting to write content right off the bat. It's like, hey, objectives, opportunities, segmentation targeting, use cases plays, messaging platform content, sales and market enablement, and then your programs and DG and measurement and optimization after that. It's just that easy. Just that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's spot on, right? I mean, it sounds simple when you put it in a very streamlined framework monica you're and guys for everyone listening you know re, do reach out monica you're 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 good with with folks reaching out and everything on linkedin uh, or twitter yeah yep i'm on i'm on both linkedin and twitter yes yeah do you have a tag do you want to give them a yeah, shout out on twitter i am at mb kumar uh, and on LinkedIn, of course, you look at, look me up, Monica Kumar Nutanix. You should be able to find me. Monica is an absolute pro, and uh, and absolutely pick her brain. You know, it, tons we could learn, Monica. I'm sure we're going to have you back on too. Oh, thank um, you so much. I this has been such an amazing conversation. I obviously I love this field, so I can keep yes. talking about it. <laughs> it's excellent. I love it. I, I learned a lot. I, I really. Um, we always ask if you have someone 
that you think would do this well or be a good fit for to have on the podcast? Did you think of anyone? Absolutely. I have so many people, but there's one person in particular I'd like to recommend, and his name is Anand Akela. Anand is my solutions guru at Nutanix. I've worked with him for many years in the industry. He's a thought leader. Uh, he's done a lot of great um, thought leadership around DevOps, around technology areas in general. I would highly recommend getting him on the show. Uh, I love it, Anand. Okay, we'll definitely reach out. Uh, that's excellent. Is there anything, any big takeaways you want to leave the audience with, Monica? Um, I guess I would say, look, it's not just, you know, I'm not just talking about being strategic for the company, which is important, but I think as an individual, I think we owe it to ourselves that if we're spending our precious time and energy and, you know, our resources on doing things, we know why we are doing them, right? So asking the question as to why am I doing these things, it's not just important for the company and the business, but I think also for the individuals, to become more strategic because that's going to make you more visible in your organization. That's going to make you uh, more visible to your executive team. And they'll they'll think of you as a thoughtful person who doesn't just jump head in to do the next thing. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying we should not do things with speed. Believe me, that's not what I meant at all. I think speed is critical in today's day and age, but speed with some thoughtfulness, right? And not just random, I, not just random acts of marketing. So that's what we, my advice is like everybody listening and maybe you're doing it already is do this for yourself. You know, start asking why you're working on things and focus on the outcomes before you start creating your outputs. Try to position yourself more strategic, less tactical, or at least think about the strategy while doing the tactical work. Absolutely. Love it. Monica Kumar, thank you so much for, for being on Sunnyside Up. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Excellent. We'll definitely have you back soon. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers. 